Welcome back to Case Studies. Um, I'm so pumped to be here with who has become one of my like dear friends. Thank you. Uh, Bart Longson and his wife, Juliet. And um, I've been badgering you to come on this thing and you dodge me <laughs> so many times. I've done my best. You've been dodging, but I'm persistent. Um, and just so excited to have you come down here. So uh, I guess to kick it off, I, I would say like, Bart, you're one of the people that I truly admire. And I admire you because of uh, a couple of things. I think you're tenacious. Like, I, I think when you decide to go do something, you're just like relentless <laughs> on that thing until you go get it done. And we'll kind of go into some of those things. And the other one is you're, you, you kind of have a very thick skin. Like you, you do not get rattled. Like when, when you decide the, the path is right for you and your family and you, you kind of, you're, you're willing to stick to your guns and, you know, get into some career choices that you chose that kind of <laughs> reflect that. But those are things that I look, look to so much. You know, I, I think about my life and times where, you know, I'm, I'm probably more generally like a people pleaser yeah. and I want people to be happy and I don't want them to be sad. And, you know, but I admire people that are, Will, willing to still be great, you know, kind to people, respect them, but also firm when, when you know what's right, you know? And so anyway, that, those are things I really admire about you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You, you are, you are the definition of tenacious because I've tried to dodge this for a really long time. So I knock doors. <laughs> like I think about that a lot, like even in my career and, you know, past careers and what I do now. And I think about knocking doors, like both going on a church mission and then spending, you know, my career working at, you know, Vivint. And I think I got conditioned to just be <laughs> like relentless and persistent yeah. and like never quit and to be okay with rejection, Yeah, which is not natural. I don't think anybody likes to be rejected, but I've just got my teeth kicked in so many times that it's like, it doesn't bother me anymore. I just kind of like plow through it. And so yeah. it's ended up being like a trait that's been super valuable for me to like persist. Well, that's awesome. Well, since we're dishing out compliments, I would be remiss not to say that Casey, as I've gotten to know you, I think you're truly one of the most genuine, giving, generous people I've ever met. And I think you you genuinely want people to be happy and yeah. have a great time, yeah. um, which does not come easy for me, frankly. I mean, I, I like being around happy people. My yeah. wife will tell you that. She's a super happy person. That's why I chose her. Um, I love being with her for that reason. You're like that. But she is. like She's yeah. like. She's always happy. It's funny because you're like a bit curmudgeon. I can be and, a little and, grumpy. And, and, and she's like the life of the party. I'm a, and, and I can be a little grumpy. And I think so that's I, where the magic happens. That's right. I so so I need I need happiness in my life. So it's uh, I, I tell you, thank you I for appreciate, that. I appreciate you for that reason. Yeah. I mean, I'm so excited to get into it. We can, you know, go a number of different directions, but kind of go back to the beginning. Like give me the give me the five minute career track of Bart Longson. Like okay. you know, from college, you know, what what were the steps along the way to, you know where you are at today. You've kind of serial entrepreneur. Yep. Have you ever worked for somebody? Like, have you ever had a job? Never really had a job. No. Um, so my track's a little bit different. I ha I kind of have a dual track, so maybe I'll weave it together. If I love you're it. All right with that. I love it. As we go through this. So 
This, you know, I think my story really starts in seventh grade. I know you said to start in college, but as you know, I have a, I have a, a best friend, um, dear friend, lifelong friend. We met skiing. Um, his older brother, my older brother were in a kind of a ski group and we were the ones chasing his name's Matt Hawkins. And you guys have like a special friendship. We have a special it's, friendship. It's almost like brothers. Like, For sure. Like 100%. And our families are, you know, we're super tight. Yeah. The kids kind of consider themselves cousins almost. Yeah. But he and I have been, you know, super good friends, best friends since seventh grade. Kind of went to high school together. We grew up in, um, I grew up in Eagle, Idaho, just yeah. outside of Boise. He was from Meridian. We lived together at BYU. Um, and it's really interesting. You know, we went down there. We lived in the Helaman Halls, uh, the six-person dorms. And there was yep. five of us from yep. from kind of our area. How cool is that? It's so cool. So is it like, and are those like the best times? Like it, it, was so, it was so much fun. And it was crazy because we... We had this uh, young man that was just a fresh return missionary out of Tooele who was just a good old LDS kid that was living with five <laughs> heathens out Idaho of high school boys, yeah. from Idaho. Yeah. And I'm sure he hated his life so bad. But uh, we had so much fun. And actually, I look back on it all the time. And if you take those five people, incredible, like, success, both – you know, in their family lives, financially, temporally, spiritually, everything. Isn't that crazy? It's it's when, wild. When, when you go back to these points, you know, and you just see, and you'll see that, like you'd see, you know, the PayPal mafia, you see like this, like small little group that went and built PayPal. And now you fast forward 20 years later and they're all successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? All of them went different ways, but they're all like, you know, building companies. It's crazy how, just who you hang out with and how much it influences. Yeah. Everyone in that group turned out to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. And, and we've, we've talked about it a ton, which has been, which has been super cool. So anyway, long story short, you know, we went to school, I graduated. I thought I was, I was trying to be a doctor, really wanted to be a doctor, but I was getting a dual degree in human biology and finance at the time. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you what, I was studying like a madman, just killing myself to get B's and A minuses in chemistry and biology and physics and all these things. And I was never studying to get A's in finance. The finance is tough. Like BYU finance is like, it was hard. It's hard for most people. But it it just just came more natural for me. And I ended up um, taking the MCATs to go to medical school and kind of scored middle range and Applied the first year and didn't didn't get in my first year, which is pretty standard for medical yeah. school. Yeah. I think I likely would have got in somewhere in my second or third year. But at the time, I was doing finance and and I was super successful. And this, I was just this like, is what year? This it's, is uh, 1999. Okay. And I was like, what am I doing? Like finance just comes way more natural to me. There's no reason to try to chase this. So and you I like it. So I and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And so at the time, so I was in finance, and at the time, my um, my current business partner Matt Hawkins, my friend that I mentioned, uh, was back going getting a master's back east at MIT. Yeah, and he came. You know, when he came back, we kind of decided to go into business together. Because his his, fam- his with family's him. not finance, but it's kind of deep real estate, real estate, yeah, yep. which has all sorts of finance elements yep. to it. Yep. Yeah. So his finance his his parents 
um, you know, started a company called Hawkins Companies out of Boise. Okay. They're a big firm. Yeah. Do a lot of big box retail development, do a lot of apartments, did some charter schools, some things like that. And so Matt and I decided to, to go into business and try to figure out how to do some real estate. And we were looking at all sorts of things. And really that kind of spawned into us getting into uh, residential real estate, buying okay. farms, taking them through the city, getting entitlements, and yep. then building streets. And that led us into starting a mortgage company. That led us into starting a building company. Yep. We also had a real estate fund. At the same time, so that was kind of my entrepreneurial business path. At the same time, I started in on kind of a hobby, um, and that was to officiate football. And this was in 2000. I started working little league football, it, high school was football. Because you played, you obviously played, you know, played high school all the way yep. growing up. Was it just kind of like a, hey, this would be fun to stay around the game? Like, yeah, it was funny. I was traveling around. I, I just, I couldn't get football out of my, out of my head and I didn't play in college. Um, but we're good in high school, right? I was like a decent a, player a good in high school. high school yeah. player. Yeah. yeah, I was a decent yeah. high school player and, and probably regretted not trying to play in college yeah. a little bit. So it never really got out of my system. Yeah. And so I was uh, traveling around playing in uh, full contact flag leagues and Come going, I was, tra- I was traveling to like Vegas for the national championship, just all over oh, the so place. You guys had a good team. We had a good team. Yeah. It was super fun. I played with a bunch of guys from around here. Anyway, I ended up living here in Cedar Hills actually just after school. And I lived across the street from Ryan Cuff, who played basketball at BYU. Okay. He was the head basketball coach at Lone Peak High School at the time. And he was like, hey, if you love if you love football, you should try officiating. And I was like, yeah, I'll try officiating. So I actually went out and worked a, like a sophomore high school game with Ryan and his brother, Rob. Rob is now the executive uh, director of the Utah High School Activities Association. Okay. It's been there 15, 20 years or something. And I went out there and they basically said, just stand there. We'll officiate the game. And I just immediately fell in love with it. And so I started working little league in high school and then uh, kind of JV and sophomore games and then got into varsity that first year. And from there, kind of, kind of those two, two paths, like 2000 to 2005, I worked high school, small college. I was doing a bunch of games of snow in Dixie and SUU until I actually got the chance to uh, be hired in the Mountain West. And actually, um, it was interesting at the time, I, I was meeting with the supervisor of the Mountain West Conference, and he said, hey, I'll give you, I'm going to give you two options. One is I've already talked to the supervisor for the Big Sky Conference, and if you want to be hired there, they'll hire you full-time, and you can go get, and, and we'll watch you for a few years, and then if you're good enough, we'll bring you into the Mountain West. And that was back when BYU and TCU and Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there were some West. good teams in there. Yep. Really good teams. Yep. It's, kind of, it's kind of the new Big 12, if you yep. will. Or the second option is I'll bring you in the Mountain West as a halftime official. And I've never hired anyone this young before. I was 29 at the time. And I'm going to give you two years. And if you don't get a ride, I'm going to fire you. So what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'll take the halftime in the Mountain West. I want, yeah. I want to work bigger games. Yeah. And so I quit high school at that time in 2005, joined the Mountain West. And just in my off weeks in the Mountain West, I ended up working, you know, SUU and Snow and Dixie. So that was kind of my... So you were loving it. I was loving it. Was, it was it. like, uh, I'm doing All this in. every week and learning the rules. And All like in. Just like... I was going to everything I could. 
I was up at BYU. I was up at Utah. All their practices, like just getting as many snaps as I could that? possibly to be, to get. Be, be around the game for that. So I got long. to know the coaches really yeah. well, Kalani and Kyle, and, yeah. and just Morgan Scally and Jay Hill and um, all these guys, Aaron Roderick, all, all the guys that are coaching kind of around here. I they were young. Got then. To, yeah. They were all young yeah, yeah, coming yeah. up. Gary Anderson. Yeah. And it was it was such a cool experience, and so. But obviously you can't make them, you can't make a living of officiating, yeah. you know, maybe until you get to the NFL. But so then back to my, uh, you know, Matt and I were rocking and rolling on this real estate stuff and we were kicking. And it was about, going really good. It right? was going really like well. You guys, you guys had a run. We had a nice run. Almost a decade, right? Yeah. About eight years probably until 2007, 2008, 2009, where it got bad. So hard. It so got hard. bad really fast. Yeah. And during that time, it was a, it was a struggle. I mean, we, we, you know, were, you know, that you couldn't sell lots. You Yo. almost couldn't give them away because people didn't want the tax uh, paying on them and prices were dropping like crazy. Yeah. You know, we had interest payments and whatnot that the, the company was dealing with that we weren't putting in new projects because financing was difficult. There really wasn't any exits. It, it just went from like gangbusters to nothing. It was of. like in a two or three month period, it felt like the spigot just totally shut off. And so during that time, Matt and I were like, okay, we're entrepreneurial. We know a lot about lending and, and, and we really like lending. And so what can we do to weather this storm? And But that was like a really scary time, right? I mean, me and you were talking on the plane and you were kind of saying like, that's the first time ever that I was like, I need to go put in a resume. Yeah. I, need, I need to go like, you know, where, where before like you big net worth and kind of growing and having all the success. And obviously anybody who knows you and Matt, like you guys are just, you work so well together, you know, kind of force of nature type founders, but you just hit a buzzsaw with, with 2007, eight, nine, you know, it's like, yeah. Even, I mean, all of our net worth, you know, when you're, when you're a developer, all your net worth's on paper. You're rolling everything back. There's in. not cash. Yeah, 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 of and, course. You know, I, th I think I had, um, you know, in 2009, I had four kids, nine and under, and we had about, call it two years worth of cash reserves as a yeah, family. Yeah, so you got like a nice little nest So egg. I'm thinking yeah. we have plenty of room here. Yeah, right? a couple of years of cash, but also plowing like a lot. But we, yeah. Re reinvesting. 100%. You know? Yeah, we, we were in these projects yeah. and we had plenty and and on paper it looked great and everything was great until it just shut off really quickly. And at that time, um, Matt and I, you know, just kind of brainstormed and it was like, okay, let's, you know, we've got to, we've got to start another company that will generate cash flow for us. Yeah while we're working through this mess that we've got going on in real estate. And so Matt kind of focused on the real estate side and was just kind of handling all those problems yeah. while I went and tried to get a, a company going in the merchant cash advance space, which is a small business lending. Yep. And we got that going and we were cruising along, um, but we still weren't able to take cash. So Matt and I were just funding ourselves basically with our own cash reserves. Well, it started like time started going. I'm like getting a little nervous until one day I, I mean, like I remember this, like the back of my hand, I look at my bank account and I've got like two months of reserves. I think I've got $25,000 or something for four kids under the age of nine. And I come to work one day and I'm like, Matt, I have two months of reserves. That's it. That's all I have left. 
are we going to make it? Like, what do you think? So first time in my life I've ever thought about filling out a resume. And the funny thing about that was I didn't even know what my skills were. <laughs> like if I fill out a resume, like what am I even going to apply yeah. for? And I remember talking to my wife and she's like, what are we going to do? And, and you know, what kind of job would you even want? And I was like, I don't know, but I know I can convince someone to fire somebody else to hire me. Like that's the only thing I do know that I was confident of. Yeah. And because we had just worn all the hats, right? I mean, we had done, you know, basically everything you do in a business. You're kind of unhirable. Like it was like, you're, I didn't know if I was an ops guy. I didn't know if I was a finance guy. I didn't know if I was a sales guy. It was you'd kind be of, a nightmare hire. I can't was, imagine. Oh, I'd be a bad hire. You'd be a bad hire. I'd be a bad hire. There's, I, I just, I would not work well It'd for be. anybody. But Matt, um, you know, Matt's one of those, I'm much more emotional than Matt. You know, I'm up and down and all over the map and he's, he's steady just, Eddie. he's just steady yeah. Eddie. And yeah. he's like, he's like, we're going to make it. Like I feel it. And so you know, I left and I was like, okay, we're doing this. And so we just, and then very soon thereafter, we weren't able to take like full salaries. We just, I mean, I literally think we took a draw for like $1,500 kind each. Of but you're starting. Just, just yeah, started yeah, to yep. slow the bleeding. Yep, started going. Yep. And then it finally got to the point where, okay, this is paying for us to live. And, yep. and so I was working on that while Matt was kind of um, trying to button up the problems on the real estate side. Yep. And- it literally took us like three years to get through that. And I, when I look back on those three years, I literally, I can't remember much about like my family and my just kids. Stress level, we were just, just in it. We were in it. Yeah. And I literally can't remember like some of the stuff that was happening. And the funny thing is to circle back to football. So at that point in time, that was 2009. I'd been in the mountain West for like four years at that point. 2010, I got hired in the Big 12. Wow. They asked me to apply, got hired in the Big 12, and I made like $30,000 officiating football. And it literally like saved our bacon. We were living off of it. We were living off of yeah. it. Where football was always just a hobby to me, it was actually like, okay, I need I, this I need income. This. I, need I need this, this income. Yeah. And, it, and it totally helped us get through yeah. kind of that tough time. And then in 2011, when Utah joined the Pac-12, uh, Mike Pereira, who you probably recognize that name, possibly he's been on TV and whatnot, yep. he called me and said, hey, Bart, I'd really like you he's to come. He's kind of like a high up officiating Mike, guy, Mike right? Pereira is kind of the king. Yeah. He, him and Dean Blandino yeah, are kind of guys. Go, like, like, they're the kings. Yep. And so he called me and said, hey, I want you to come to the Pac-12. And there was no way I was telling Mike Pereira no. So I, so I went to the Pac-12 oh, in 2011. So, so you've got like. USC in their heyday. Oh yeah, like Stanford. Stanford was big time. Then. Yeah. Oregon was big time. Then. Chip Kelly's good. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun league, and great places to travel for your yeah. family. Close, yeah, yeah. And and I was on a really good crew. I was on a crew with Land Clark, who's a good friend of mine out in New Mexico. He's now a referee in the NFL. You've probably seen him or recognize him. But we were kind of. The crew. We were kind of the kings of the yeah. of the Pac-12 at the time, and yeah. we were working all the big games in Oregon and Stanford, USC, and on ABC when Pat Hayden came down and ended up taking his fine. That was in front of me. I we mean, were face to face. Anything better than like big time college football? Big time college football is awesome. Like, I don't. I don't know. If it was killer. I, I think it's about as good as it gets for me. You know, I'm like, if if there's like a big game. So one of the coolest experiences I had in in college football actually happened in 2011. If 
Do you remember USC played Notre Dame at night? You got liner, and I worked Is that, that game. It was Reggie incredible. Bush liner. Is that the I, same no? One? I think it was later than that. I think it was Barkley. Okay, Matt Barkley and those guys. But it was such a cool experience to work at. You know, I grew up watching Notre Dame because that's the only thing that was on TV. We didn't have cable. Have it was on green and uniforms that they I, wear. I, I have a picture of me slapping the play like a champion sign today in the locker room. Uh, like, it was it was so touchdown Jesus. You know, it was out there. Well, it was so fun, man. It's, cool. it's like you think about like you're a little kid and you've got this view of like how it's all going to work. Yep. I'm sure being a referee was never like, you know, you're seeing yourself in the game, you know, playing, but you got to like be in the game for a long time. Yeah. It's it like was so unique. Listen, if you're not a good enough player, which I wasn't to play at the big time levels, it's, it was the next best thing. I mean, your adrenaline is pumping just I'm like sure, you're playing. You're, you're in the game. You're like, in the game. Like you're, it's game it's time. intense. Yeah. It's a challenge to see if, you can make the right calls in a pressure pack situation yeah. with millions of people watching and you know, the coach is going to go crazy and the players are going to go crazy. And it was, I would say that that game, I think put me on the map for the NFL because it was a big time college football game and a bunch of stuff happened in that game. It's like hitting for the cycle in baseball. So I had, a big time pass interference. I had a big time UNS with a player standing over another player. I had a targeting call. I had like all these calls that lined up, which they don't always line up for you. And then you have to get them right. And then you have to do it in a big time environment. And I just kind of got lucky that game and just happened to get all those calls lined up. I made all the right decisions. And I think the NFL was watching that game. And I think that was the early stage of the NFL taking a hard look so at they me. recruit you like they're, they're watching and they're recruiting that this isn't you like saying, Hey, I want to be in the NFL. This is, yeah, like, there's, there's not an application process for the NFL. So, no idea. so they scout out of college football. And then once they're interested in you, they will uh, reach out to you and they'll start to interview you. And, and you go through some FBI background check stuff and you go through some Tax return. I mean, they looked at 10 I mean, years of I mean, my tax me, yeah, returns. Yeah, me and you experienced this. We, I remember we're golfing in Whistling Straits. Yeah. And they literally like s- sent somebody to Wisconsin to do like a, a pee test, yep. like a drug test. The drug test. And yep. I'm like, what? What is going on? But like that, they're hardcore. Oh, they're dead serious about yeah. gambling. They're dead serious yeah. about drugs. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're trying to protect the integrity of the game, which is, which is an important thing. Yeah. So... Back to business, I guess. So college football's happening. I worked in the Pac-12 from 2011 to 2015. I was working a bunch of bowl games the whole time. I ended up working like 11 bowl games, which was incredible, all over the place, all over the country. But while that was happening, you know, Matt had finally kind of figured out the real estate stuff and it got us into a place where we were surviving. Yeah. And at the time... It, it was coming back towards this company we had started snap advances and yeah. we were looking at it like, Hey, there's really not a reason for him to come and do that. Join snap advances. Yeah. That's the commercial arm. Yep. And he started looking, Matt's like, I mean, Matt's brilliant. Probably the smartest person I know. We, we sit on a board together and yeah. like, I just like being around him. Oh, he's like amazing. When, when he like goes down a track he just articulates it better than everybody else in the room. It's yep. more thought through. 
his logic tracks. Like every yeah. time I'm around Matt, I'm, like that's my takeaway from Matt is like, man, he's got some like chops. Like he's yeah, it kind of bugs me how smart he is he, he, because he, because he and I, you know, when we're in the same room, he's always smarter than me. He's and, kind of the smartest guy that I've seen in any room. Like, he's a smart he, dude. He, he's really impressive, and his business sense is impeccable. But he's and just so, a good guy too. Yeah, like, he's, I, a, he's I think, a great guy. I think he's not pompous. Like he's not in the room like yeah flexing on everybody. He's just consistent and he's usually right. I'm trying to think of a time where he hasn't been right. No, I'm super grateful. I mean, I, obviously I tell him all the time, like, I'm just happy to ride your coattails, Matt. Like I, I feel super grateful I mean, you to, guys, you guys to be a, a part of it. Partnership. Yeah. You it's know been, what I mean? Like it's I, a special I, thing. I think about my life and I think about the different partnerships that I've had and you just can't do stuff by yourself. Like everything great happens in teams, you know, yep. your, your marriage or any great team you've been on, like very, very rarely is it like a solo job. No, hundred percent. And it's very rarely like the same skill set. It's usually like opposite skill sets is what makes the magic. You know, it's those shared values, but it's very different skill sets. And I think about you and Matt, you guys are very different in temperament, but like shared values for sure. Like you guys, yep. it you know, see the world very similar. We do. I I think all of that is so true with Matt and I. Oh, we are we are different people, but yep. we've just been so close for so long. I think it's so unique for us to have this kind of friendship and, and business partnership. I think about my relationship with our kind of mutual friend, Brian Stevenson. Yeah. And same thing. He was like my, my oldest friend I have. I, I still right. remember I'm at my house and I broke my leg. I'm like in kindergarten. I can mm-hmm. have this like visual memory. And his mom, Lisa, brings him over and he's got this little pizza game. <laughs> and me and Brian were kindergartners. Like I, like I, awesome. can, I can remember this. I've had this visual memory. And I fast forward, you know, now we're 41 and we're still like doing deals together. And, and I'm like, that is such a gift from God that oh, I totally. get to go like through life with a good buddy and like keep growing together, you know, yeah. and do partnerships. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very similar to your yeah. Brian's story. And Brian's amazing too. Brian and Matt actually have a lot pretty in common similar. in, yeah, my, in my opinion. Those two yep. are, those two are fairly similar, but yep. so anyway, um, so when, instead of Matt coming into that business, he was looking at other opportunities for us to expand into and ended up starting a business called Snap Finance, which as you know, has turned out to be no, a I decent knew, business. I, I know that too well. So like <laughs> our, our kind of mutual friend, Rick Stratford, yep. like I've invested, I, and he hit, I'm sending him another check tomorrow on a deal that he's doing, but like I've invested with him for a long time, like 15 years. Yep. And I, don't know how it worked out, but somehow I didn't get the invite to Snap Advance or, or snap to, snap, to Snap Finance. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's my biggest miss ever in my career, ever. Like yeah. I'm trying to think of any that I have more like FOMO <laughs> of that deal. I mean, it just, I didn't get in on that one. And, and yeah. it was like this epic, it's still an epic ride. I mean, yeah. And that's a, just, it's a great company. And Matt's done a phenomenal job with it. And we have a lot of good people that have helped us build that company. And it's been amazing. So Matt, Matt's really focused on that for the, yeah. like the last 10 years. I mean, we still have a, you know, he still does a little bit of real estate more than I do, but we still do a little bit of real estate. Yeah. Um, and then I've kind of been on the commercial side and that spawned into the company that Sandlot's invested in yeah. called ClickLease. So talk a little bit about that. Cause this was like a, a like a really cool crossroads yeah. in your career. And I think there's like some lessons to be learned on this. Yep. So like you guys built snap, snap advances Mm -hmm. and it kind of ran its course. The market kind of ran out on it where there was a time where there was a lot of run runway. You guys, you know, 
took outside money from a really, you know, great firm, Stevens yep. um, family office, put some money into it. And then the, the opportunity just kind of, you know, changed. The market changed. Market changed for sure. And it got to the point where you just, you were kind of done. You were kind of saying like, I'm not going to go give my life to this for another five or 10 years, right? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So yeah, you, you've described it accurately. You know, Snap Advances was a great business from like 2000. Uh, you know, we started the company in 09. I'd say from 11. And walk me through like what Snap Advances did. Like what was so, the problem that <laughs> solved in the Yeah, market? so effectively it's getting working capital to small businesses. Okay. And you do it, we used to do it through credit card transactions. Okay. So, so let's say that I give a business, uh, a restaurant, $50,000. You come in for dinner and, and I'm agreeing to buy, you know, $65,000 of their future receivables for $50,000 today. Okay. But when you come in and spend a hundred dollars, I'm going to take 20% of that ticket. Well, that's amazing. And so, so we so would take a it. split yeah. of every tran- credit card transaction they had at the business until we received our $65,000. Yeah, so you had like a really good Great mechanism to model. get paid back. Really yeah. good mechanism to get paid back. Great business model. Economics were good. Unit economics yeah, were t- good. Tons of value. For everything the was great. Too. Yeah, like everything was great until about 2015 or so when a company started coming into the market big business that had raised hundreds of millions of dollars and started giving money away, frankly. They weren't priced appropriately for the risk. The whole time I'm screaming bloody murder, like, what are these guys doing? They just kind of wrecked the market. Why are you doing this? Margin compression, just your everything you do to ruin a a finance market, they did it. Took it public. It went public out at like you know, a billion dollars. It got to like a billion three. They ended up having to fire sell the business for eighty million dollars. They so, lost like three hundred million dollars. So, but you knew something from, crazy. You knew it was obvious. Like there was smoke in the house. For there was smoke in the yeah. house, and which so, is funny because there's a lot of those companies right now that you can like see like you can see history it. repeating. Yeah, itself. you can see it, and yeah. so. It was interesting. So you know, we're we're cruising along, and I'm just I'm I like growth. Uh, just more fun for me. And so all of a sudden snap advances had just become kind of an operating business. We weren't growing. I'm bored out of my mind. And so I finally just decide I'm done. it's time to get a new CEO. Yeah. I'm not, this isn't what I signed up for. It's not for me. I thought it was, I thought it was bad for the company. Um, and we did take on outside money from Steven's partners and out of little rock. They're a great firm. They've been yeah. super supportive all the way along. We had been looking at the click lease model. We didn't know it was click lease at the time, but we had been looking at this equipment leasing model thinking, you know, we got to, we need to get to another market. We got to innovate ourselves because this, this market is just, the margin compression is just too tight. And so we came into a board meeting one day and um, the representative from Stevens was there and they were the majority owner of the company. And I came in ready to resign and I was going to quit. They didn't know it. Um, so I come in and I'm like, hey, you know, the business is, has started to flatten out. And I think it's time for us to, you know, I have equity in the business still, but I think it's time for us to find a new CEO. So I'm resigning. Yeah. And the representative's like, no. I'm like, well, what do you mean? This no. Is no. This is no, right? Yeah, this is no. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? No. I'm like, I just quit. 
And he's like, I don't accept that. Which is so great knowing <laughs> Noel because like it's kind of it's kind of a gangster move by yeah. Noel. Like I think back, I'm like, man, that I got a lot of respect for that. He yeah. just like said, no, like I invested in you. That's like, what he said. Where yeah. are we going? That's what he said. <laughs> and Noel is like pretty, as you know, he he's a pretty even guy. Yeah, he's not emotional. Doesn't get high, doesn't yeah. get low. He yeah. just he just emphatically was like, no. Not doing it. I don't accept that. We we bought into this company because of you. We're in it because of you. I think you need to stick it out. I don't want another CEO. I don't accept that. And I'm like, well, no, I, I quit. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no. And so I said, well, if that's your answer, then, then we're starting this new equipment leasing business. That's the only way I'm staying. And I need $10 million. And he's like, done. So they stepped up. So they stepped up. They ponied up their pro rata share. Matt and I put some money in. And we started Clicklease. So, cool. and um, we didn't know it was Clicklease at the time, but it was. Looking back, the absolute best move. Yeah, like it was just. I think there's things you know. I I get asked all the time from entrepreneurs like, "How did you do it? How'd you make it? How how why is it so successful?" And you're like, "I don't even know." Sometimes, yeah. I think sometimes you just have to like go. But but I think I think like what you're describing is the magic. Um, of momentum. Yep. It's just like when you get moving somewhere, somewhere you can pivot, you can adjust, but when you're standing still, you can't, you can't go anywhere. Yep. And I think just you charging, sometimes you're banging your head against a wall, but you're at least moving. And then it kind of clicks and it just go, opens. Yeah. You go find that product market fit. And then it's like when, when it works, you just know it works. And that's like yep. where it's like hammer down, let's go. You know, I think sometimes, you know, you can't control what the outside market's going to do to your business either. Yeah. I mean, and outside markets change. People get irrational. They get crazy. Some market entrance comes in Their Their capital stack is different. Of course. There's so many things that can, that can affect your business. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we just, we pivoted. And we took, we basically, ClickLease is really the brainchild. It's a mix between Snap Advances and Snap Finance. Yep. It's kind of Snap Advances customer, commercial customer with Snap Finance's tech. process. Yeah, with its technology. Tech. Yes. Yep. And so we knew what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it. And so we started that in 2018. Yeah. We're now 260 employees and we're growing. And it's been so fun. We we always talk about the click lease executive team that you put together. Yep. And like we sit on a bunch of boards and, you know, invest in a lot of companies, but we always, we, we go back to click lease and we're like, they have a great team. Like that, that team is, we always go away from those board meetings being like, they have their arms around the business. Like yep. they, they, they know, you know. They're, they're in the economy and they're in the market like everybody else, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but they know their business. Oh, hundred percent. I, you know, when I think about what the role of a CEO is, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm probably not that good of a CEO, but the one thing that I feel like, you know, CEOs are responsible for culture. They're responsible for executive team, that kind of stuff. The one thing that I do feel super proud about that I think we have hit it out of the park is the executive team. The team. And our team is so good, so smart, so get it, so body. It, it, it's so, it's so just, you know, it's, it's so good. fun for me because I've been a part of that journey. You know, we, we literally begged you to let us be a part of the journey. And yeah. it's so funny because you, you go back and you look at like this course of events and I'm like me missing out on snap 
and just like <laughs> being like, oh my gosh, like that was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. And we missed it. Had a lot of the influence of us badging you the way that we were badging you. I'm like, I'm not missing this again. Like yeah. if, if there's a chance that these guys go take outside capital, we want to be like, th- make sure they knew early and often <laughs> that we wanted to be that partner. You know what I mean? And yeah. Well, I remember telling you no many times. A lot of times. And, yeah. uh, but uh, I appreciate you being tenacious because it's been a great partnership. Yeah, it really has. We've we, we, we loved it. We've loved yeah. being a part of the journey. You guys have been so supportive. And and I'm excited for the future, Click Leash. You know, I think it's, um, I think there's going to be a lot of good things uh, to come. I think we have good product market fit. Feel like we're um, early. Like we're in, still in, early. In, 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 yep. in one, in, in two. Like there's just like so much room to run in that market. It's, it could it's be. It could be a big market. Yep. There's no doubt. So, so that's been super fun. And while that was going on, you know, circling back to football, I ended up uh, getting invited into end of 2014 season. So I worked my last college football game. I worked the the BCFs. Uh, semifinal with Alabama wow. Ohio State at the Superdome. That was amazing. Ohio State won that, right? Ohio State won. Yeah. Cardell Jones, Zeke yeah. was on that game. A lot of NFL players. Julio Jones was there for Alabama. They had a scary team. That year. Yeah, so that was awesome. And then that spring, I got interviewed where they bring you back and they just interview you and try to intimidate you. And, and, then, um, and then they gave me a tryout in the fall with um, – I worked a preseason game with uh, Baltimore at the Steelers Yo. as a kind of a tryout. And then I ended up getting hired and, and I worked my first season in 2015 in the NFL. And uh, my first regular season NFL football game was the Cowboys at the Eagles in Come Philly. on. Like the, you went into the heart <laughs> of the Lions. You like, went into the Lions' den. They freaking hate each other. No, they hate each they other. They hate each yeah. other. The Philly fans are crazy. They're crazy. Which turned out to be super fun. I I, I actually like working games where the fans where, where are it's nuts. charged. Yeah, yeah, when it's just fired up. Yeah. The boring corporate ones I could do without. The ones where the fans are just nutty. Yeah, where they it's care. It's super fun. So that ended up, I don't remember anything from the first half. I, mean, I was like, it was, I was like, okay, I'm not good enough to be here. This is so crazy. It's so fast. Um, but it turned out, you know, ended up working a bunch of games, ended up working six years in the, in the league. Wow. And then could have kept um, working, could have kept yeah. working. I mean, it, it was by choice. It was a hobby. Transition. Yep. It was a hobby job for me. And I remember and, you telling me that like you talked to your, you know, peers that were doing it and they were like, what are you talking about? Like you worked your whole life. Yep. Like you're kind of in the pros, like you're, that's the pros. It's hard of to get there. Yeah. Yep. It's really tough to get there and you make good money. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's kind of professional pay and everything. Yeah. And so it was, yeah, you can have it for a job. I mean, it's probably the best part-time job in America. That's kind of full-time. It was just never, <laughs> but your... it just, that wasn't my main source of income. Yeah. And, um, and I certainly could have gone, you know, they wanted me to go till I was 65 or whatever, but you know, it was really, it, it kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, family work or yeah. football, I've got to choose one of these. Cause it, it, it just got you, too it, crazy. It took you away from your family a lot. Yeah. I was gone every weekend, yeah. essentially from beginning of August to January. But your kids loved it, right? They loved it. They yeah. traveled with me. They yeah. would go to games. In fact, my kids were my daughter, especially was like, Dad, you can't retire. She loved going to the games. Yeah. She loved Juliet it. Juliet love it. 
Juliet was, you know, she was kind of like give it or take it. She enjoyed, you she know, loved the travel. It you loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And and my wife was so supportive. I had all the family support I needed. That's so this cool. was this was really about me deciding, okay, it's time to move on. I've done it. It's super fun. A great experience. Met the challenge. But uh, you know, I just wanted some of my life back. Yeah. And it was so weird, you know, when I quit. Um, they were like, What? How are you quitting? And because no one leaves the NFL. No one leaves. I mean, when you it get just, in, you don't know. You just don't leave. Yeah. It's it's really hard to get there. I mean, to give you some numbers, the last numbers I saw, there's 120 NFL officials out of like 60,000 people that work football nationwide, something like that. It's crazy. And so, but amazing experience, incredible athletes. I mean, it's a, the NFL is like, it's like, I describe it as modern day gladiators. It's like nothing you've seen. I mean, Take the, like a linebacker is a good example. 250, 260 pounds, pure muscle, maybe like six, 7% body fat. And they're faster than anyone you've seen at your high school. Can you imagine so, getting hit by one no, of those guys? I can't. And and it's every play. Every play. You, you have like the, like train wrecks. Yeah. Every play that I like. Yep. I sleep wrong some nights now and I wake up and I've got a kink neck and I'm kind of out for a while, like to get hit by these dudes. Well, you've seen, I mean, you've had the, you've had the opportunity to work out a little bit with like Taysom Hill, who's just a freak. Who's just like so strong or it's just different Or right? around here. You see a Chad Lewis who looks huge. Well, Chad Lewis is just pretty normal size. He was a guy. Side. Yeah. I, so my first kind of NFL experience and Taysom's friend of yours, friend of mine, but during COVID, um, all the gym shut down. Yeah. And we had like this kind of nice gym at our house and, and Chad Lewis brought Taysom over to the house. Yeah. So that summer we worked out every day and I was, you know, doing CrossFit at the time and felt pretty good. And I, I remember going out and I still have the video, but we're, we're, we're squatting and I put as much as I could put, it's like three and a half plates and I'm just breaking under this. I'm trying to like impress everybody. <laughs> And he puts on six plates and he's repping it. And I'm just like, that's the difference. You're a different species. Like I'm, we are not, we are not the same category of like species. You're just, just just, a different world, but he's not a big guy in the NFL. He's just a guy, you know what I mean? Like everybody's just so big, so big, so so fast, so strong. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a different game, but it was so fun to see that kind of talent. I remember the first time my rookie year, I uh, met Megatron. Do you remember him? Oh, Calvin yeah, Johnson. Of course. I mean, he's probably the most physical specimen player I've ever seen in person. He's what, six, six. He's like six, six, just cut up everywhere. Just a freak. Absolute freak. I shook his hand and I felt like a five-year-old. His hand was like enveloping my whole hand. And I'm just like, hi, Calvin. I'm like looking up to him. Like I'm a five-year-old, you know, and he's 20 years younger than me. Yeah. And uh, it just, it, it was just crazy. But that was so fun, just getting to know the coaches and the players, and so had a great time with that. So I want, I want the dirt. So I want, I want like the the nitty <laughs> the nitty gritty of the NFL. So I'm gonna give you like the lightning round. Okay. So worst call you ever made in the NFL? What was Ooh. the game? What was the where you just missed it? Like you you straight up missed the call. You know, honestly, like I missed some calls for sure, but I didn't have any like train wrecks. You didn't have any like lose like, the game. No, I didn't have any like total disaster calls. I, I mean, I had I had lots of calls, but I worked a position 
I worked on the line of scrimmage. Okay. Most of my calls weren't game changing. Yeah. Life changing. You know, like you, you see, so there's nothing I can't next question. I'd say I can't jump out. Nothing jumps out at me. Tell me about Tom Brady, your experience with Tom Brady. This is like one of my favorite Bart Longson stories. Yeah. Tom Brady, Tom Brady's smart. The Patriots were smart when I was in the league. They, so my my uh, and this is when they were on their run. They're winning oh yeah, they all were the, the championships. Yep. yep. So this was my rookie year, 2015, late in the season, Sunday night football. It's snowing in Denver. That was when Peyton was at Denver as well. Yeah. So I worked the first half on the Cal- on the on the Broncos side. Second half, I'm on the Patriots side. Tom's sitting there warming up, getting ready for halftime. I'm standing there five feet away or whatever. He turns to me and goes, Bart Longson, welcome to the league. How are you? And I'm like. Good, Tom. How are you? And he's like, hey, just hoping you have a great career. Welcome to the league. So happy you made it here. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm pulling for you. How's Juliet doing? And I'm like, Juliet's fine. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, and tell me, you have four kids, right? Tell me their names again. He scouted you. So they had you prepped got, you him got on Tom the way Brady out. That's scouting and I'll be honest with you. Like, I like Tom for that reason. He, you know, Tom's crazy intense on the field. One of the most intense individuals I've, I've I mean, ever that, seen. I mean, that when you told me that but, story, I'm like, that's the difference between, like, the highest level of professionalism. It's yeah. like, it's not just you're, like, you know, scouting the other team and putting in all the extra effort. Like, you have all, like, the deflate gate, and like, yep. the, like, trying to get any advantage. Any advantage. But then it's going a step further saying, like, what's the psychology of a rookie referee? Yeah. And even just the, like, if I'm nice to somebody and I call them by their name and I acknowledge like their wife and their kids that we like people that like us that are like, and it's like, it doesn't matter if you're trying to defend against I think against that's them. business. I think that's officiating. I think it's anything. I, I remember I reading how to win friends and influence people yeah. when I was like 16 years old and they talk about this principle. And this is an old book that the greatest word in the human language is somebody's name. And they talk about this example of like, when you look at a pitcher, like a, a, a class pitcher, where do you go? And you yeah. always go find yourself, you know, yeah. in this picture. And it's just kind of all of us. Like we we're naturally built to care more about ourselves than anybody else. And for just to tap into that, it's like, so, because, you know, when you, you look at the other aspects of his career and he was just excellent in everything. everything. And that's like a tiny detail. Yeah. I mean, I would say I would never, ever cheat on purpose for a player when I officiated. Like, you, no officials out there to help anybody. Yeah. That would never happen. I will say subconsciously that you're more likely to help someone who's nice to you. You're kind of pulling for them. Than, yeah, like- than help someone who's just awful to but, you. But but I've seen so, I've, I've seen that in business so many yeah. times where I've had things go my way that could have gone either way. Yep. Strictly because there was a person that I knew that liked me. Exactly. And they're just like if I can give the business to this person or that person, I'm going to give it to you just cuz I like you. That's right. You know that you're not bringing any other value other than I like you. Yeah. And you think about like how many times that's the difference, you know, your sales people like that is the difference is like you know, what's the saying? Like, you know, you don't go poor if you know people's kids and it's like, you know, a salesperson that knows people's kids doesn't ever go hungry. You know, it's like, that is like a, it's a real principle. Yeah. And, 
And I will say some people like you, you're very good at that. You're very good at acknowledging people, asking them about their families, like being really friendly to me. That doesn't come naturally for me. It's work. I have to work at that. Yeah. I'm not a natural networker, for instance. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm comfortable around people and I can have conversations with anybody. But you're you can also be reclusive just as easy. Exactly. It's yeah, not like it's, it's not natural for me yeah. like it is like it seems like it is for yeah. you. I know you work hard at it, but you seem more natural at that. I just love people. You do. And so I think it is like really easy for me because I'm curious, you know. And so it's like when you're around somebody that's doing something awesome. Yep. It's like, how cool is that? Like, I want, you know, I want to know what you're doing. I want like part that. of that. Yeah. Like, that's amazing, you know? And so it's, it's, I think it's being curious and also like just being like childlike a little bit, you know, like if you can just be happy for people, I, I think about how many of my, you know, you run into people that just can't be happy for other people. And you're like, that's like such a sad life. Yeah. You know, all of us have everything that we ever need and plus, plus, plus. Yeah. I'm reading this new book by Morgan Housel. Um, he wrote The Psychology of Money, but it's his new book. And he's talking about um, the quality of life that we experience as a whole today versus the 1950s. Hmm. And it's like, it's not even close. Crazy, like yeah. average, meet, you know, median inflation adjusted income higher, technology the food we eat, everything's better. But we kind of think back to the fifties as like, Oh, those are the good old days. And it's just, you know, it's, it's really tough to just be grateful and just to like acknowledge like, man, like life is beautiful and there's so much good yeah. out there. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, talk, talk to me about uh, who's your favorite coach in the NFL. Like who's the coach? You're just like, I love that guy. Uh, first of mine would be Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is like, I, I tell this to everyone. I say, whatever drug that guy is on, we should all take. Because he like he's like 70 years old or whatever, 72 or something. The guy has more energy than anyone like you've ever kid. met. He's, he's like a, a little kid. kid. He is a kid. I would love to play for him. If, if I was a good athlete, I'd yeah. love to play for Pete Carroll. Such a nice man. So energetic. So positive. Just everything in his life. I mean, you see him chewing his gum on the sideline. You'll see it on TV. I mean, the guy just, he gets after it. He loves it. One little funny story about Pete. So, like, I spent a lot of time at their training camps Yo. because I'm out here in the West and uh, most of the teams are East. But So I'd go up to their training camps. Pete has an equipment guy that's there. First thing Pete does at practice, he puts on his receiver gloves. And in Seattle, those things are like lime green or lime yellow. Whatever color that is, they're, like, bright, bright. So you got this 70-year-old walking around with receiver gloves on. And every time he'd coach up a player, and then as soon as he turns and shows his hands, some equipment guy is throwing him a football. Yeah. And he might be 30 yards away. And then he'll go back and coach for a minute, and he'll throw it back. He plays catch the whole practice while he's coaching guys. I mean, this guy's like in his 70s. I, I remember, it's incredible. I remember reading his book. He had a book called Always Compete. Yeah. And I just loved it so much. He, you know, talked about competition, and then you'd watch him kind of you know, and, and I, I remember there was one thing when he was at USC where like the whole group's in there and he brings in Snoop Dogg and everybody's going <laughs> nuts, all these crazy. college oh, kids yeah. and Snoop Dogg's rapping. And then oh, there's another time where I was watching him in Seattle and you've got DK Metcalf. That's oh, yeah. like the freak. He's a Calvin Johnson I mean, times two, you know, and he, and he kind of walks into the locker room, like shirt off, you know, 
And so Pete rips Pete his shirt Jason. off and he's dad bod, 65 <laughs> years old. Everybody's loving it. You're just like, how do you not like kill yourself for this? He's guy, amazing. You know? He really is. He's just yeah. one of those guys that just, he's electric. Yeah. He and, just and, has, he, and he just impacted yep. he, like, it was just, he was the same with you. He was oh, courteous just, and kind totally. and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we'd have lunch with him at these training camps. We'd have lunch and dinner with the teams, and he'd come sit at the table and just, hey, what's up with your family? I mean, he's just so cool. So cool. Just, I, I love people, frankly, that uh, I used to work with a with a um, my crew chief. You know, the referee is kind of your crew chief. Yeah. And in 2009, uh, I was with a guy named Bill McCabe out of Southern California. Okay. He was my crew chief. Pretty normal guy. But the one thing I learned from him, he would talk, you know, he's a referee. So some of the, some of the referees can get a little, you know, pompous, a little yeah. like I'm the king, I'm, yeah. I'm on TV. And yeah, all that. of course. Bill McCabe was the exact opposite. And Bill McCabe, I just learned to love this guy. He was the Pac-12 supervisor for basketball, worked football. I was on his crew and he, he would talk to the AD at any school we went to. The same way he talked to the cab driver that we took from, just so real. from the airport. Yeah. He just, it did not matter who you were, what your status was, what your socioeconomic situation was. You're a person. I'm yeah. a person. He would talk to you the same way. Yeah. And I, I really learned a ton from him that season. Just going, you know what? That is, he's a real guy. That is the right way to he's do a it. Real in guy, my opinion. Yeah. And you kind of have to like unlearn like bad habits. You, you know what I mean? Cause all of us fall into it. I remember having that experience with Todd Peterson yep. and me being like a kind of a young kid working under Todd Peterson. And I was always so fascinated. It's like this guy runs the company, but he's like, you see a first year rep that's 19 years old. That's never worked there. And, and, it's like they're his best friend. He makes him feel so special and right. goes to the gas station and makes the gas station attendant feel so special. And I think in his mind, it's like, yeah, he's my friend. Like, and he's talking to that kid the same way he's talking to Steve Schwartzman at Blackstone. Yep. And he's like, truly like no respecter of persons. And, and you see other people that act very different. There's nothing worse than the opposite. Yeah. When they're, when they're certain people, they're, you know, certain way, calm yeah. and, you know, respectful. And then other people, they're disrespectful and kind of, I'm too good for you. And you, you, you see the contrast and you're just like, I don't want to be that guy like exactly. ever. Yep. If I am like, I hope I have friends who call me on it because like, right. yeah, that, yeah. that's so cool. So talk, talk to me about the coach that like you despise the most <laughs> that like this person, like if you've got the totem pole and yep. you've got Pete Carroll on top, Who's on the bottom of the top? I can't, I can't give you that name, but I will tell you what that person is like. How about that? Um, you know, there's there's three coaches that come to mind immediately. They're they're exactly what we just talked about. And I know all three. I can't rat you out. You can't if, rat, if, you if can't not, rat if, me out. If you're not sharing, I won't yeah, share. Yeah, you can't rat me out. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I struggle with them. So the coaches that yell at you. That's just pretty standard fare. Yeah. Even all you Andy Reid lovers, who I love Andy Reid to death. But he'll get after Andy you. Andy Reid gets <laughs> hot, and he will get after you. And now he'll drop, he, drop F-balls. Yeah, he, <laughs> he might even say that every once in a while. But, you know, then he'll give you the most cuddly hug you've ever yeah. had. So he's a great man. Yep. I love Andy yep. Reid because I know there's a lot of listeners here that, that are interested in him. 
great man, but he'll get after you. Yeah. I mean, he gets serious every once in a while. It's, it's, it takes a lot to get him going, but once he gets going, he gets, he can get hot. Same with Kyle Whittingham. Kyle's amazing. I love him. Kalani's like that. Intense. They're all great people. Yeah, love them. So yeah. they can get hot. Those kind of get like passion. Great with me. I'm totally fine with that. You can yell at me. You can yeah. disagree with my calls, whatever. The ones that I struggle with are the condescending ones. These are the ones that I'm just too good for you. Think they're a better person than you. Yeah. Like I'm talking down to you. I'm like, you're not even worth my time. You yeah. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I ran across a couple of those guys um, in the league and a couple in college. But yeah, give, give um, me some examples of like the the interaction that took place and like how they responded. Yeah, so I was working the um, I was working the very first Pac-12 championship game. Okay, Oregon UCLA big game, very first yeah. you know, ever. Pac-12's never held the championship game. Yeah. 2011, I think. So I was on that game. And everything's fine. Then it started going a little bit awry. And the one of the coaches whispers in my ear, oh, looks like they brought the JV crew to officiate the game today. Come on. He's like taunting you. I about punched him in the face. It, it like, He's and you know, you can mother <laughs> F me like no problem. Like say mother effing whatever you want. But when you whisper, it looks like they brought the JV. <laughs> that just got my blood boiling. Like that to me is I'm better than you. You're not equal just to what's going on. Going it's just off, like, like instantly yeah, red. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So stuff like that, you know, that's a little small example, but that one got me pretty what about NFL. So NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think in the NFL, you know, there's a guy that's on TV right now that used to get me pretty hot. Um, he he has a tendency to just kind of whisper stuff to you. Most of the ones that are condescending aren't screamers. They just kind of it's just what they say to you. Just so you never smug. You never see it. You're not going to see him on the sideline. You just won't see it on mind. TV. Yeah, you're you're going to see the John Gruden's of the world. You who love have the Gruden, fun, right? but I love Gruden. Yeah, like he will mother f you every <laughs> sentence. He has all those crazy faces, but honestly, super genuine, good nice guy. Yeah, good like, like he, he doesn't like want you to. He like, is not a mean person. Yeah, like he just he's just passionate. Person. Just super passionate. Yeah. He was always great to me. That's so and cool. and I know everyone everyone experiences coaches in a different way. Yeah, whether you're a player or a an official. I mean, our interactions are different. Yeah, and um, so you know. One funny story is I had I had an experience in in uh, college one day and I had this assistant coach that was just nonstop, just just constant, just back there, just bah, 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 just chirping nonstop, and I finally got so sick of him because I kn you normally only communicate with head coaches. I finally got so sick of him that I turned to him and I said, "Listen, when I become an assistant official, I'll talk to an assistant coach." Oh. Oh, You're you done. got him back. You got him back. Did he <laughs> so, keep John? Oh, no, he was done for he the day. Up, he, he shut up. Come he got was got done him. for the day. So That's that strong. that was pretty low blow on hey, my it's part. Actually, it's actually pretty thoughtful. That, that was a little that was a little condescending on my part, hey, but I was kind of done with it. I respect that. But uh but no, it's um you know, it's it's really just about these coaches who just think they're better. And and you'll see it. I mean, they they show their true colors and comments in the press and Yo. Stuff like that, but what 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 was you go back the seven years? Like, what was the game, or what was the moment, or what was the highlight that when you think back, you're like, that was timeless. Like, time stood still in that moment. Like, yeah, the biggest 
I would say the biggest playoff game I worked was maybe like 2018-ish or something or 19 or something. Anyway, it was uh, Green Bay Packers at the Dallas Cowboys divisional round. No, this one. This was the game. This was the game. The Cowboys hearts, all you lovers of the Dallas freaking Cowboys. That one hurts. So Aaron Aaron Rodgers, you know, they hit this really long field goal. Then Aaron Rodgers gets the ball back. He makes this ridiculous play on the sideline um, where he throws it 20 yards downfield, super tight catch. And then their kicker ends up kicking like a 52-yarder to win it. Um, so I still have the game ball from that game. Come on. And uh, that stadium holds like 198000 or something. Yeah. But they sold. The fire department allowed them to sell an extra 10000 standing room only tickets. Come on. So there were people in every crevice of the stadium. And so you got 110,000 people. You know, Packers, Cowboys. It in was, Texas, right? It was crazy. In Texas. It, 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 yep, yeah, in yeah, Jerry's yeah. world. Yeah. It was crazy. And it was intense and Ta- fun. Cowboys just got their hearts broken. Cow- and, yeah, that didn't hurt my feelings too Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that Man, was an awesome a, experience. What a trip. What a beautiful, like, yep. what – I think about this all the time. I'm like, God's pretty good, man. When you, when you look back and you're just like, how do I get experience this life? I mean, it was, how do I get a life? Like the whole NFL thing, honestly, as we're talking about that, like I never got into a fishing think I would go to the NFL. It just like, it just like kind of kept going and just kind of happened. Yeah. And I grew up, I mean, I love football. I've watched so much football. I've played so much football. Like I love it. And it was such a, just, to be able blessing. to be like in the arena. Yes, it was yeah, such like, a blessing to be a part of it and yeah. just in in kind of a weird way and just just experience it. It was it was so awesome. Unique. Yeah, it was so unique. We'll wrap up here in a sec, but I want to uh this is like a point of the podcast that always fascinates me and you're kind of I think you'll have a unique take on it, but talk to me about your faith and talk to me about how faith has influenced your life choices across that course of events. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, I think faith is what grounds you. I think it, I think it, I think it is what makes you who you are. Um, one of the coolest things actually about the NFL that we did that most people don't realize. So you get put on a crew. Okay. And that crew is made up of, of like seven on-field officials and usually two replay officials. And you travel every week with that same crew and they'll just assign you a game you know, you're in New England one week, you're in Oakland, you're Vegas now, the next yeah, week you're in yeah. Miami, whatever. But what's cool about that crew is you get to know people in a very deep way. Because, Intimate way, yeah. Because you're really going into battle together. Like yeah. everyone hates you. And you it's it, like it's like you against the world. Yeah, you're not like popular. Like, you're not popular. But what was cool is every Sunday morning, you know, I'm a church going guy and I'd miss a lot of church to do this. And so, but every Sunday morning we had a crew devotional of which there was like a half hour. It was voluntary whether you came or didn't, but we literally would take turns giving the devotional. And if you, this is like the joke. I mean, there was literally like every denomination on the crew, atheists, Catholics, Methodists, LDS, you know, like everything you could think of. Um, and people would share their faith from, I think that's like the coolest story it was, I've ever heard. In my it life. was so much fun. It, and it just drew you so close to people. I mean, I had some 
pretty amazing spiritual experiences doing that. One of the coolest ones was my nephew was on a mission in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, when my crew had a game in Atlanta. I called his mission president. I said, hey, here's I explained that we were there to work the NFL game, and I asked him if his him and his companion could come give our devotional. And he's like, sure. So they meet us at the hotel. I sit him down, and I'm like, okay, this is high level. It's just introduce what you're doing as a missionary. We're not proselyting here. We're not getting crazy. Like, just, you know, keep it light, whatever. Yeah. So we're 30 seconds into the conversation. My nephew's companion, who's this great kid from Bountiful, actually, opens up the Book of Mormon, slides it across the table to my umpire and goes, I'm gonna, we're going to read some scriptures together. Will you start? Come on. And, and my crew absolutely They're loving freaking it. loved They're it. They're loving they it. They loved it. It was such a great experience. Anyway, just, just stuff like that where you just become so tight with people. Yo. And um, they just, I, I just had an amazing experience. So, you know, I share that and just saying, I think our faith is like who we are, who we become. And, um, geez, sorry. I think, um, as I think back of like how I want people to know me yeah. and, um, I just, I just, I guess I just want people to know that I'm real yeah. and that what you see is what you get and I'm not perfect. Um, but I will put in a good effort to be a good person. And I think, you know, my faith is likely why I quit the NFL, frankly, is because I think my faith has led me to focus on my family and those around me. And the time um, equation being away from my family didn't equal. It didn't, it didn't compute. And so it was time for me to, to make that choice. But, I, you know, just being out there with people, I just think they just learn to respect our weird little culture and who we are. And I think they respect authenticity. I think all of us do. Absolutely. You know what I mean? When, I, when I'm around somebody who's real yep. and they are what they are and you can feel it, you can, you can like instantly feel it. You can yep. feel when somebody's disingenuous and, and when they're just authentic. And I think, you know, I've always felt that from you that it's just, I mean, we, we have so many funny stories. I, we were talking about it the other day when we were golfing. I remember there was one time where like, you just went off on me and you, <laughs> you like, you were like coming at me pretty strong. And I think I finally had to like drop an F down on you and just be like, and, and, and it kind of ended a little heated. And then you call back and you're just like, Hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was out of line. Yeah. And that was it. There, there wasn't, drama there wasn't hard feelings it was just you're passionate yeah and like that's that, my non-perfect side but, but that's what <laughs> like i love that about people like when they show up the way they are like completely the way they are you yep. know what i mean because the same you can't not be you and you have to take the good with the bad and the good is that you you drive and that you like people can feel your energy and you motivate people forward and you're you know and the bad is that sometimes it's too much, you yeah. know what I mean? And your your kids or your wife or your friends kind of get the blunt of it. But I think that's the magic of like apologizing. Yep. You know, if, if you can just be humble and just be like real quick to say, I'm sorry, it's crazy how like 
You know, I see that with my kids when I just screw up. <laughs> and if I can just be humble and just be like, I, I got that one wrong. Yep. They're so forgiving. You know what I oh, mean? They're I so, think everyone's forgiving if you can say so. I mean, I've had lots of practice saying sorry, so I actually don't have a problem. But it's not, it's not easy though. Like yeah. me, me and my wife, all the, even like me to say sorry to my wife. Yeah. When we have like a, like a tough argument, <laughs> I'm like, I really want to be right for a little while longer. <laughs> like, I don't want to give this up. I, I, yeah. I feel like I'm right. And to be able to just like drop that and apologize and like really apologize, not the fake one, but like really apologize. It's amazing how like everything disappears, like all the tension disappears and you, you go back to being you. Anyway, that, that, that's so special. And, yeah. and I, and I think, you know, we didn't take all the other pieces, but like with your kids, with your culture, with your spouse, where you went to school, it's crazy how faith, Oh, like you look back everything. and you're like, there's a bigger plan going on. There's something bigger 100%. than me because like, and even like, I think about your story and it's like, you had to go to those hard places mm-hmm. to be where you're at right now. You had to yeah. like, like if things would have kept rippling with real estate, snap would have never existed. You know, snap a click lease would have never existed Yep, because real estate would have kept going, you know, it would have been a great outcome, but it wouldn't have been what you did with snap. I mean, you thousands of jobs, you take click lease, hundreds of jobs, going to be thousands of jobs. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, I look back all the time. I mean, my, the amount of gratitude that I feel, um, is significant, you know? I feel um, blessed and lucky and fortunate. And, you know, I'm surrounded by awesome people. My family's amazing. Uh, And that hasn't been without challenges, you know? I mean, when you're raising kids, there's no playbook that says you're right or wrong or this is what you do in this situation. I mean, my wife and I just do the best we can. And thank goodness for my wife because she has so much faith and – her prayers, I think, are a lot um, stronger than mine. Yeah, and she's pulled a bunch of our kids along when I'm when I'm drilling them and putting pressure on them, and like you got to succeed and you got to do this and you got to do that. She tends to temper me back. Them. Yeah, she yeah. just loves them, and so I think all of that just kind of uh, brings you back to there's definitely a bigger force. Yeah, feel lucky to have you as a friend. Grateful to have you come down. Hopefully we do this again. Gonna see the 2.0 and the 3.0 <laughs> of these next chapters. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer, you know, you and specifically you and Matt and kind of the special partnership. And like, I, I think your best work is in the future and it's not in the past. I think you guys still have a lot of innings in yep. this game to go make a dent on the world. And it's going to be fun to see what those look like. So. Well, thanks for having me. This has been a great experience and you know, you got me on a podcast. I love so. it. I love <laughs> That's it. Thanks, a win. For, thanks for coming, brother. All right. Thank you.